you know, there really is so much of the algorithm is designed to activate and, 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 and trigger our most uh, primal dopaminergic responses. And, you know, it, it's so much of it is not really our fault. I mean, what's our fault? Our fault is being human and then someone's preying on that humanity. Well, is that really our fault? You know, you can't like beat yourself up over being human. Hello everyone, my name is Stephen Parton and you are listening to The Feedback Loop on Singularity Radio, where we keep you up to date on the latest technological trends and how they're impacting the transformation of consciousness and culture. This week our guest is cognitive scientist Scott Barry Kaufman, who has an impressive resume that includes teaching at NYU in Columbia, writing for Scientific American, hosting a podcast on psychology that is so definitive it's actually called The Psychology Podcast, And last but not least, he is the author of several books, including his latest book, Transcend the New Science of Self-Actualization. In this episode, we take a very psychology-centric approach to technology, looking very specifically at how we can navigate the negative aspects of technology that threaten our ability to be ourselves and to ultimately be happy. Scott had a very busy day, so this was a shorter episode, but hopefully these 30 minutes of his soft-spoken and playful wisdom will set a good tone for your day. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Everyone, please welcome to the Feedback Loop, Scott Barry Kaufman. Uh, to start, I would love to just have you tell us a little bit about the motivation for Transcend, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about the adjustments to Maslow's hierarchy that you brought to attention in the book. I was very motivated to write this book because I felt like there was a lot of the whole there was a whole story untold about Maslow and the field of humanistic psychology more generally. Uh, there's uh, a lot of people have heard of modern day positive psychology and happiness studies and the science of happiness and all that. But there are a bunch of psychologists in the 50s and 60s that were really interested in a whole set of things that really resonated so deeply with me when I encountered it. Um, they were very interested in things like growth and creativity and humanitarian purpose and spirituality and wholeness, integration, um, confronting your dark side. Just so many themes that that those are the themes I wanted to be working on. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't actually resonate with the happiness stuff that much. Um, that uh, that felt like a luxury in a way. Um, but all this, you know, but the humanistic psychologists were really interesting. And then Maslow. When I dived in deeper, I was like, wow, there's so much richness here and so much complexity that isn't told. And even to, uh, misperceptions like and uh, misrepresentations of his theory, uh, such as the pyramid, which uh, he never drew. There was no hierarchy of needs pyramid. Yeah, you're destroying a lot of dreams there. So how do, <laughs> a lot of uh, pop psychology. So how does the sailboat kind of change the pyramid into something that you think is better? Why is the the sailboat uh, metaphor a better one to to use? I developed the sailboat metaphor because I thought it did a better job encapsulating Maslow's notion between the D realm uh, and the B realm. So. When we're deficiency motivated in life, we're, we're in this D realm of human existence where we're motivated by our deficiencies. 
that's what the D stands for, deficiencies, in case of people's imagination they're trying to, what does that D stand for? Yeah, deficiency. And so um, things like uh, lack of hunger, uh, lack of food, um, lack of connections, lack of self-esteem, those things represent the boat in, in the sailboat. Um, whereas when you open the sail, um, that's growth. And when you open the sail and uh, move vulnerably in, 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 the, in the sea, the vast unknown of the sea, I mean, there's so much unknown, right? I have no idea right now what's coming at me. Well, who's calling me next? You know, that I don't even know who's going to call me. What emails were they like, will you write my dissertation for me? You know, it's like, no, I'm not going to write your dissertation. <laughs> I get so many of these kinds of emails. Anyway, just, there's just so much unknowns and you have to manage to keep keep going towards the port that you want to go toward um you know you have to you have to choose that growth option day after day but i would say minute after minute <laughs> because you will const you will be pulled in 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 many many different directions internally mm-hmm. and externally sometimes the internal things that pull you in different directions are more powerful in fact than the external even though we tend to focus um, in politics, uh, you know, on, on the external. And while we're laying some of the foundation of the, the concepts here, how does that relate to the ideas of self-actualization and transcendence? You know, you can think of self-actualization as what is that unique creative potential that is in you and only you and probably that has ever existed in the history of the universe. Uh, whereas transcendence is being able to integrate that creative actualization, the, those seeds of creativity in a way that is synergistic with society, mm. that is, uh, not only good for you, but also good for the world and automatically good for the world. But just by being, just by being yourself is is uh is 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 improving the world in some you know is is helping others self-actualize you know you can spend your whole life self-actualizing and not really help many other people self-actualize but if you're calling and the the sort of commitments you have in your life to for mastery are things that uh impact your own self-action and the self-actualization of others um, that's when you start getting to the, into the realm of transcendence as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. Were you ever interested in the idea of the hero's journey? Because when I think of what you're saying there, it very much mirrors that idea of going into chaos, doing something that helps you authentically pursue transcendence and then bringing back the the gifts of your journey to society and making it better. Yeah, I love the hero's journey. I uh my own personal story is a little bit of a hero's journey, although it seems a little bit self-indulgent to call it myself a hero. But <laughs> but we all are, uh, right, in our own little ways. Yes, yes, yes. But better for someone else to call me that <laughs> than for me to. But but that journey is definitely something I resonate with. Um, just being a dorky little kid in special ed as and hmm. as a child and. Uh, not really feeling much sense of potential and uh, yeah, fighting my way out of that. Yeah, what what role do you think technology is playing in these kind of concepts then? Because I think of something like 
you know, going out into the world, doing your hero's journey, being authentic. And immediately my mind goes to everyone trying to comment on the same trending hashtag, everyone using the same filters to try to get the same kind of likes and attention from people. And it feels like it pulls people very much away from authenticity or from, you know, embracing the scariness of the hero's journey of going into the unknown alone to find yourself. I got it. Someone tweeted something to me today. Can I be self-indulgent again since we're on that theme? Please do. Um, Someone tweeted to me. They said, you are a rare bird, Scott, who wears a very thin mask compared to most of us. That allows you to relax in your own skin and just do what comes naturally, which just happens to be a nice combination of the geeky and the goofy. It's aspirational. Don't change. Now, I just am reading that because that that tweet made my day. Yeah. I woke up this morning, read that tweet, and I was like, that made my day, maybe made my life. But um, that's that's um, I feel seen with that tweet. Um, and I feel like this relates to a lot of things you're talking about, because I don't try to be anyone else, even on even in technology. But I feel like so many people are trying to they, they have different people. They have the person they are on social media. They have the person they are as a, as a professor. They have a person they are with their family. You know, when I I'm just like my way of being, I roll up to the teach to be a professor and I'm cracking jokes and I'm a stand-up comedian, you know, I walk over to social media and write stupid things. And then I hang out with my friends and get drunk and get silly and get high, whatever, you know, like I just like, I think there's um, a a real value in, um, in wearing that thin mask, as the person said, I think there's a real value in it. And not everyone's gonna, I mean, there's kind of like a theory of like, you know, well, not everyone's going to like it. You can't please everyone. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I mean, the point of life is not to please everyone. That's not the point of right. life. The point is, I, I mean, I don't even know what the point is. <laughs> I just, I'll come to, I'm going to tell you. ready? The please, point is. If you have, yeah, if you have the meeting, please tell us here. <laughs> you ready? I'm a, I was afraid about to do it once and for all. But um, I think, you know, so much of life is, uh, is really, uh, realizing your own unique potentialities and ways of being. Um, and I was very uncomfortable with my ways of being mm. for decades of my life. Um, and even in my twenties, I was so uncomfortable in my own skin and I would constantly try to be someone else, you know, like, you know, going to dance clubs and flashy outfits and things. And, and I, I had an epiphany, which was like, Holy cow. You mean just being myself is enough? <laughs> yeah. That's quite an epiphany to have. It is, but how do you do you think that people in this day and age struggle to have that epiphany because of the technological technological constraints? And specifically, I think of with the sailboat, you know, and the ideas of self esteem, and I think of the human proclivity towards social acceptance. And with so much of our lives digitized now, you have all of these addictive hooks and ways to make you feel insecure or narcissistic. And it's like, how the hell do you navigate that now? <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's why are you using, why are you using technology? Why are you using it? And I'm not asking you personally yeah. that question, but one, one should ask themselves that question and be honest with themselves, mm-hmm. be honest with themselves. Um, are they, you know, like they're Instagram influencers where like, the reason why they're using social media, 
a lot of them is to promote their brand mm -hmm. and well actually there's not well there's nothing wrong with like wanting to promote your brand like i could use that i could use to do that do that even more i'm not terribly good at self-promotion i should i should work on that um so there's nothing wrong with that i don't mean to throw any shade on instagram influencers but but there are there must be some people who their goal if they're honest with themselves is 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 narcissistic mm -hmm. uh attention there must be, mm -hmm. you know, they must be out there. Uh, you know, when you look on Instagram, have you ever noticed anyone on Instagram? You're like, that's probably they're on there for narcissistic attention. I mean, I, I do some research actually. And like the literature supports that it's, yeah, yeah. it correlates. <laughs> yeah. There's, <laughs> that's, that's gotta be a thing. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I would say, I would argue, I'm not, I'm very non-judgmental. I'm, I, I'm not condemning those people, but I'm saying, be honest with yourself about the reasons i think there are beautifully uh self-actualization oriented growth reasons why one could use social media um to engage uh and build up a, a nice uh community um i quite I, 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 i've said this a lot lately but i'm quite fond of my followers like yeah. i'm quite fond of them like they you know they're, they're very thoughtful and um and and human and i love that um the the, the day the day that I look at my followers and I don't like them anymore, I think would be a really important sort of self moment of self-reflection of like, who, I, who have I become? Because I do think that the people who are attracted to us are a reflection of who we are in a large way. And we don't realize that we really don't, you know, when are relationships and we'll be like, Oh my God, why do I always, why do I always attract the narcissist? You know I mean? You know, the people who say that all the time, yeah. they're like, it's always a zero some game i'm perfect angel and the partner is always the narcissist yeah it's like well look <laughs> look there's something common among all of those yeah partners that's <laughs> you so um I, i'm all about self-honesty mm -hmm. i've had to have a lot of self-honesty in my life and some of it hasn't been pretty but um i think it's just the most in some ways is the most important route to growth yeah. Are there, are there methods or ways that you have seen useful for helping people maybe bolster their self-esteem or to get out of that defi deficiency motivation? Because in the case of like the narcissism online, it does feel like, and from what I understand from the literature, it's often coming from a place of, you know, lower self-esteem or a lack of maybe belonging in their, in their real life. Like <clears throat> when you have a tool that's right there, giving you all of these opportunities to make all these connections mm. and feed your ego. How do you step back and do the hard work instead? Yeah, because that's a very potent drug mm. having your ego fed. Whew. It's hard. It, 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 it's really potent. It's intoxicating. That's why a lot of people get in relationships where they, they get love bombed mm. and then, and then, and then they like, then you, you feel like you can't you feel like you're trapped you can't move you can't leave because you were you were like pulled in your ego was pulled in and you're not honest about why you were pulled in <laughs> this is deep stuff my friend yeah i know i'm trying to make you all the answer answer all the big questions <laughs> we're jumping in the deep end here we're jumping in the deep end but i think that the deep end of humanity but i think that it's like having a, a mindful awareness of of your choices mm -hmm. and your motivations some of it is very unconscious but you know being able to make the unconscious conscious is is 
one of the greatest routes to growth. I mean, it's a whole process. Uh, you know, I there's a whole process of self-actualization. I've, I've created a, a new form of coaching called mm. self-actualization coaching that I'm currently developing a certification program for. And it's a whole, you know, it, it involves a lot of self-honesty and um, reflection and meditation and awareness and 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 loving kindness were you ever into young and his idea of like individuation and how he kind of, of pulled the alchemical steps into it of course yeah of course yeah yeah i mean so do you think there's do you put stock in that idea of kind of like the ego death as a, as a start to the journey i don't know i don't think we ever can have ego death mm. uh, as long as we still have a self I think we're it's it's gonna be very hard to have ego death. Um, I think that my project is more integrating it mm. because my ego got me through my twenties and it got me out of special ed. I mean, I was I had a whole crusade of I'll show them mm. how smart I am. I think that was a really uh, without that motivation. And it was an ego bound motivation, but without that motivation, I wouldn't be who I am today. I'm I'm actually uh, my 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 perspective is more about honoring the beauty of the dark side mm. um, as a route to growth and a route to integration. Uh, I get kind of uh, I kind of roll my eyes when I see things like ego death because the people who say they have their ego death tend to be the most narcissistic people you'll ever meet. I write a lot about this. I write about what I call spiritual narcissism. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in the spiritual community who think they're better than others because they, quote, have their ego death or this or they're enlightened and they're like, I'm more enlightened than you, you know, and like that's actually a narcissistic view of the world. I'm all about um, horizontal transcendence, not vertical transcendence. And uh, I, unfortunately, I see a lot of the woo-woo spirituality world is so focused on vert, 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 vertical transcendence. Yeah, do you, not about that. Not about that. Yeah. Do you think that's a result of, like, when I think of society in a lot of ways right now, not to be too cynical about it, but I feel like we've done a really great job at securing some of the the lower levels of the the hierarchy or of the boat with mm. security, and then we've realized that because the other aspects of our needs are so abstract and nebulous and ephemeral. Mm. They're mm. really great products to sell because it's not concrete, right? You can tell somebody you either have food or you don't, you have a roof over your head or you don't, you know, you have some sense of security or you don't, but how do you know people really love you? You know what I mean? And there's, and it feels like we've really wow. got a bit exploitive uh, about those higher tiers of their, of our needs. That is, I want, actually, this is so interesting. I want to hear more of your thoughts. How did we get exploitative about the higher needs? That's a fascinating idea. You know, like you said, we have the luxury life coaching. We have the self-optimization mm. stuff. You know, mm -hmm. we, we have this, um, these, these messages through advertising, especially that is all about, you know, looking better to your peers, being more accepted about, you know, the attention economy that we have on social media. So many of these aspects of what we're really selling to people, I feel like is kind of like the Edward Bernays version of like, how do you want people to like you? You know, how, how, how can you be the most authentic version of you with my product? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And maybe that's cynical, but it does feel like a lot of our 
society is now focused on that, at least in the first world uh, or in developed nations, because the lower tiers are secure, more secure. Oh, yeah, it's almost like a luxury. But but I don't think that I think it's a, a chimera that those lower needs are secure. Um, I think that that's why I did the sailboat, because uh, life is not like a video game mm -hmm. where you reach one level. I don't like talking in terms of levels, and I know a lot of people in the woo-woo spiritual world love levels, right? They're like, I'm a level three consciousness. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I know, I'm being, I'm being cheeky. That a lot of our fun. listeners are into that, and I just like literally made fun of them. But um, Cheeky is good. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I just don't think life is like a video game where you reach some level of anything and then you never return to the lower levels again. I think the big ego trap is thinking that life is like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, 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 you know, as long as you're still human, and I think that's the problem with some of these narcissists is that they think they've transcended their humanness and now suddenly they're superhuman. And I hate to break it to them, but <laughs> they're still human. Yeah, and um, you know, just because you're delusional and think you're superhuman now doesn't make you superhuman. Um, I really want people to stay grounded to their humanity, and I think that's where the horizontal transcendence comes into play: is being so synergistic with the rest of humanity that you're really helping people with their real felt needs, um, and you also realize that any of the lower needs can um, can crop up again at any point in time and and the easiest example is just hunger mm. right let's i mean are you telling me you ever reach a level where you no longer are hungry no come on so hungry. that same thing <laughs> say always hungry right and the same thing applies to all the lower needs it applies to connection right um you'll never reach a point where you no longer need people um you know self-esteem you never and that's a big one self-esteem mm. a lot of these people who think they've transcended you know their their mortal bodies tend to say I no longer am, you know, like ego death, right? That's the thing we talked about. It's like, no, no, no. As long as you're still human, your self-esteem will latch on to anything. Now all you've done is you've latched it on to your fact that you meditate 10 times a day, mm -hmm. right? That's all you've done is you've latched it onto that. And now that's you've hitched your self-esteem on that, even though you, you're lying to yourself about it. So, you know, it's um, Harsh Truths by Scott Barry Kaufman. Yeah. That's what we should call this this podcast episode. <laughs> Harsh, harsh realities, <laughs> but but I hope you see my point. I do. Um, I would really rather have a, a a model of spirituality and transcendence that is about the integration and the understanding of humanity and how what it means to be what it means to be a human, which is messy, as opposed to a lot of the projects of a lot of people in the spiritual space were just some sort of like super control and ultimate optimization of the human where you become superhuman. And that's not my project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking of, I'm blanking on his name right now. He wrote the Gulag archipelago. Um, why can't I think of his name? Anyway, Schultzenitzen, uh, Alexander Schultzenitzen. Mm -hmm. And he talks mm -hmm. about the, you know, the line between good and evil runs between the middle of every human heart, but who has the power to rip out a piece of their own heart. And it feels like mm -hmm. a lot of what you're saying here is yeah. also embracing the fact that there are aspects of ourselves that do need work or that um, yeah. aren't great, aren't perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think perfection is the goal either, though. Mm -hmm. I think people somehow think that's like the goal. Like they're like in the self-help space, I come across so many people that they're like constantly working on perfection. 
And man, that's, that's a lot of pressure. People put a lot of pressure on themselves and then they get constantly disappointed mm. when they're not reaching their potentials. Um, I can't tell you how many clients I have who just feel like they're just constantly like, what am I going to be like on my deathbed? What am I going to be like deathbed? Am I making the choice that on my deathbed I'll regret? Am I making the choice? It's just like, calm down. You'll probably die suddenly anyway. You probably won't even have the deathbed moment. <laughs> so you're putting so much pressure on yourself for a moment that probably will never come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many how many people actually make it to like the deathbed moment? You know, like. Not right? many. We, yeah. Usually people die in other ways. <laughs> Look, I know. I'm just saying, you know, like it's just people put so much pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like. How can you experience life? Not It's not some trek up a mountain, but how can you have the optimal experience um, where you're in the flow state, where mm-hmm. you have peak experiences, where you have love, where you have... See, what I'm trying to do, my my mission, uh, my, my project is to help people become more fully human, not superhuman. Mm-hmm. And what, what does fully human mean to you? I mean, just on, off the top of your brain, what does that mean? Um, no, I don't know. Look, I don't know. To be fully human is to be fully human. Yeah. Like it's like you know what? What do we have on offer among humans? What are our potentialities? We have higher potentialities. We have lower potentialities. We have hedonistic potentialities. We have meaning-making potentialities. We are so messy. Uh, humans have evolved things we share with other animals. We have things that uh, are uniquely developed. Like uni- we have a uniquely developed consciousness, but we still have all those prepotent things. You know that no matter how constantly evolved we are will make us go up and slap another human, mm-hmm. you know, and for instance, at an Oscars or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 we still have those, those, those lower order drives that, um, that can, uh, completely control us or, um, or inform us, you know, um, to be fully human is to, is to be aware and aware of it all. And, uh, and uh, and work toward being uh, the absolute best version of you you can be mm-hmm. on a regular basis, um, which is not easy. But it doesn't also doesn't mean perfection. Right. It means being forgiving of your of your imperfections. To me, being full human is is hugely being forgiving of your imperfections and the imperfections of others. By the way, the people who 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 uh, cast the thro- the stones the most tend to be the ones that are most disintegrated within within themselves. Yeah, I feel like that's a big part of what I'm curious about with that relationship between technology and human potential. It is a big struggle between feeling connected and influenced by all of these sources of conformity, right? And all of that group mm. think. And then you being here as the lone individual in the real world being like, all right, well, I could be me but I don't know if that's going to get enough likes or if it's acceptable because all the people that I see constantly, the thousands of people online look like they want to do that. And maybe I should be more of that instead of me. You know, there feels like a big tension there. Huge tension. Well, tension is not the way the word, I think pressure is that way that the pressure mm-hmm. to conform. Yeah. I mean, how, how did you, how do you resist that? You know, are there techniques uh, that you recommend maybe in your coaching or, or that come from the psychological literature that some people are naturally more resistant to it based on their personality. Yeah. Some people are more naturally uh, drawn to conformity. I have a really cheeky theory that most of self-help is codependent, vulnerable narcissists attracted to grandiose narcissists. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow that's a theory and, and I, love I was thinking of tweeting that but i was like wow that might be too controversial but there's an interesting dynamic that happens a lot among you know these kinds of things where um certain personalities uh are, are really they they're desperate to conform to something because they're very insecure uh, that they can make and they don't trust themselves to make their own decisions so my decision my answer to your question would be um, to learn to trust yourself more to learn to trust your own inner experience i think is a big part of self-actualization so that to me speaks to i guess like wisdom and i was talking to um, a philosopher out of the netherlands last week uh, nolan gertz and he's been exploring how like technology and nihilism relate so I'm wondering, like, is there are there aspects of wisdom that you think are are suffering in the technological landscape that we yes. are becoming? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, uh, heard uh, my friend Daniel Schmachtenberger talk about this stuff. Yeah, love um, that dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend, and he was he was recently on my podcast, so people want to hear kind of us nerd out for a very long time about these precise issues. Um, definitely direct them to listen to that conversation but um, you know there really is so much of the algorithm is designed to activate and 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 trigger our most uh, primal dopaminergic responses and how can you design like how can you change that system you know I think there you have to change the algorithm you know it, it's so much of it is not really our fault mm-hmm I mean, what's our fault? Our fault is being human and then someone's preying on that humanity. Well, is that really our fault? Right. You know, you can't like beat yourself up over being human, right? Like, you know, if someone, if someone, if, if the algorithm is that people are, that you're constantly going to be sending me things that trigger my deepest insecurities, mm. right? Like, is, am I to blame that like I get defensive over that? You know, if someone's like, if the algorithm is like, you're, we're going to send this algorithm and we're going to keep sending to Scott people saying you're stupid, you're an idiot, right? Like, is no, I'm getting I'm reacting to that because I don't like being called stupid and an idiot. Yeah. So I, I I think we need to have more compassion for uh for people who fall prey to a lot of this stuff. I really I really do believe in love and kindness. Believe it or not, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, huge huge to have that and forgiveness. Um, and, and, but also be a lot more mindful about who is, who's designing this stuff. Who's, what are their motives? Mm-hmm. Um, not convinced there's the most pro-social motives in mind, um, with a lot of these, uh, technology, um, inventions. And we, I think we need more investment, more money, um, uh, put towards people who have explicitly pro-social motives for yeah. this stuff. What I always wonder and it's kind of like the infinite turtle scenario is like, how are those people who are creating the technology who don't have the most pro social motives? How are they victims to their environment as well? You know, <laughs> like what, what needs weren't met for them or aren't being met for them. It's a great point. I mean, it's turtles all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of course. And you know, I, I'm sure not saying that we shouldn't have compassion for them either. Uh, or we shouldn't have compassion for them, but, um, but I think they're they're still they're they're still doing what they're doing, right? And uh, uh, and and why are they doing what they're doing? Uh, well, I don't need to know what who ruined them in their childhood. <laughs> yeah. I just want them to all. I just want them to to leave. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't need a life story. I just want it to stop. Right, right. I'm sure there is a life story, and I'm sure we can have compassion for them. That's yeah. a separate issue than, you know, you have someone in power who's a corrupt, you know, like a dictator. You know, I'm not going to spend too much time figuring out how they got that way. I would like to remove them from power, please. Right. <laughs> and then get them help and get them therapy once they're removed. Priorities. <laughs> Priorities are important. Yeah, yeah. Am I too cheeky for this podcast? Not at all. I, I mean, okay. I love it. Okay. okay. Che- the more cheek, the better, in my opinion. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you so, like the big booty? <laughs> that, yes, exactly. <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? Now, now it's too cheeky. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, that's, that's the wisdom side of things. So I know you also did a lot with intelligence. And, yeah. you know, from my understanding, you have, I believe it's called the Flynn effect where like genera- generationally we've seen IQ gains. I'm wondering if there is potential because of maybe this post, post-truth post science denial kind of fake news paradigm that we're finding ourselves in where we're also like outsourcing so many of our questions to Google uh, rather than like thinking critically for ourselves beforehand, do you think there's a chance that we might see something like the Flynn effect start to rescind or that we're maybe having negative impacts on IQ? Yeah. I mean, I, you, you, you are seeing a reversal of the Flynn effect in some ways. Mm. Um, you're also seeing a reversal of the Flynn effect in terms of morality. Mm. So not everything's about IQ, right? Um, you are seeing declines in morality. You're seeing declines in, um, in principles, you know. And uh, part of the problem is, is tribalism run amok, mm. because you know oxytocin is a very very powerful potent drug in our body, just just like dopamine is. But, but oxytocin bonding uh it causes us to bond so much that we will cheat lie and steal for those that we're bonded to mm-hmm. and without a moment's thought about it yeah isn't it the we get confused that it's not just the cuddle hormone but it's also the hate hormone because like it, it well i've i think the most accurate thing is the in-group love hormone mm-hmm. it's not the love hormone it's the in-group love hormone you think about you know why it evolved, right? It's for parent, mother, really mother-child bonding. I'll do anything to protect my child. I would die for my child. I would kill for my child. And then you scale it up to like just an interaction with someone about differences in politics, and it's like, whoa, calm down. <laughs> and then that's every day in a in a world where yeah. it's like the lines are constantly being drawn. You know, you have the outrage. The outrage, I call it the outrageous orgasm problem where everyone's just like getting so much dopamine from punishing norm violations. Yeah. It's very addictive. As we, uh, yeah. yeah. As we come to our time here, because I want to make sure that thank you you have some breathing room. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts or anything you might want to say about kind of navigating human potential in a technological landscape or just in life in general? Well, yeah, I'm trying to. I am trying to start a modern day human potential movement that is uh, grounded in science. I, I run the uh, Center for Human Potential at humanpotential.co, um, and I think technology can play a big role in this. Uh, my colleague Courtney Bigany is starting a whole new field: positive product design, and I really uh, encourage people to uh, to to find out what she's up to. You can Google Courtney B I G O N Y. 
positive product design. Um, there are people who are thoughtfully, I already mentioned Daniel Schmachtenberger, but there are others. There's a growing movement of individuals um, that I'm intersecting with to try to figure out those intersections between human potential and technology. I think that there's hope on the horizon um, among people that are intentionally trying to be positive. Now, of course, sometimes the best intentions can go wrong, but I think I'd rather have people who are like intentionally motivated to do good than those that are intentionally motivated to do bad. <laughs> if I had to yeah. choose the two, lesser of two evils I mean? for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, gr yeah. great, there, man. Yeah. Well, we'll point, yeah. we'll point people in that direction. So, uh, Scott, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Stephen, for the, the work you're doing too.